0: Hey, thanks for joining us for the Celebration Church podcast. I have a quick announcement before the message starts. Starting February 16th, we're beginning our new service times at 9 a.m. and 1045. I encourage you, if you're in the area and you're looking for a church family, come join us Sunday mornings and we'll have the doors open, coffee ready, and we'll save you a seat. We'd love to have you and get to know you more personally. Well, now on to today's message.
1: Difficult seasons anybody else ever go through a difficult come on like life life is great until you're about like 14 12 14 years old and you realize like actually like Jesus' promise is that life in this life you will have trouble like that's what's gonna happen some of you are like 12 years old <laughs> try seven <clears throat> I, I watched Frozen recently and um uh, the Frozen 2 anybody else see Frozen 2 I loved what um, the song uh, from from Mr. Olaf, he sang this song. It says this, uh, things will all make sense when I am older. Someday I will see that this makes sense. One day when I am old and wise, I'll think back and realize these things were all completely normal events. There's another line later when he says this. He says, because when you're older, absolutely everything makes sense. <laughs> no. But the truth is we, we go through seasons in life when it just doesn't make sense. And we try to rationalize it by thinking, you know, it, it'll all work out in the end, it'll it'll all make sense. But but what's really going on is we're going through seasons. <clears throat> you're going through a hallway with God. And I want you to know that the the hallway that maybe you're going through now or maybe you've already gone through or for anybody in this room that you will go through, the transition you will go through was never about getting you out of Egypt. It was all about getting you back to the promise of God. You thought that God's great desire for your life was to get you to be free from your addiction, was to get you away from the things that held you bound. And What I'm here to tell you today is that was actually not the point. That is simply a point on the road back to the promises of God. It's one thing to get out of your mess. It's another thing to get into the promise of God. It's a one thing to claim like, Lord, I'm going to be free from from my anger issues, or I'm going to be free from my rebellious attitude, or I'm going to be free from my resentment. But it's a completely different thing to enter into a place where you bless those that persecute you, where you pray for those that despitefully use you. It's not God's desire just to get the mess out of you. It's God's desire to get you to a place of promise in your life. And that's what this whole hallway series is about. We've been talking about this idea that there are different areas of, of help in the hallways, that there are, there's hope in the hallways, or that there's healing in the hallways. But at the end of the day, the point of the hallway is to get through the hallway. The point is to get beyond the hallway that you are living in. Uh, I would say this, that like if you thought the point of living for God was just that you could be saved and set free from uh, a pornography addiction or just saved and set free so you could learn to be a, a more moral person, then you've missed the point. The Bible says this, that you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a people for his possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Like his point was that you would be elevated so that you could then elevate him so that you could raise other people towards him. Like the promise of God to Abraham was that by him and through him, all people of the earth would be blessed. That's God's desire for you. It's not just that you would be free from sin. It's that through you, all people in this valley would be blessed. That's the purpose of God. I think there's this this idea that when we go through seasons of transition dealing with our resentment, dealing with our past pain, our past hurts, that when we get free from those things, we, we go into seasons of wandering where God is trying to tell us there's more to living for God. There, there's more than just having a pure mind. There, there's more than just getting your marriage together. There's more than just not being a sinful person. Like, like there's more. And it's the glory of God. Like, there, there's power in God that he has for you that he wants to bring you to. And I don't have a timer today, so I'm going to preach all morning. <laughs> This idea that we can can make our faith more about where we've come from than where we're going to. We can connect better to the idea that we have been saved from something than the idea that we are being saved to something. And if we're not careful, our faith becomes all about what God delivered us from it becomes all about our past sins, our past forgiveness experiences, our past struggles, then God's big future for you. You've been delivered, you've been healed, and God's done a great work in you, but do you recognize that it's very easy to walk in circles, circling back around to the moments that you were healed, the moments you were forgiven, the the things that you struggled with, and never get beyond into what God has called you to be a part of. I want someone to know today that you may just be on the edge of a true miracle. Like you may be one step away from God's greatest gift to you. You may be on the edge of of exiting, the circling, the wandering. You've been healed. You've been delivered, but you've been wandering. And I'm saying you may be right there waiting for a moment with God. My kid, my son, uh, my youngest, he he always wanted a bunk bed. Anybody else's kids think bunk bunk beds are just the coolest thing in the world? Bunk beds are super cool. My, my youngest guy, he got himself this little bunk bed and he thought it was amazing and he, he climbed up in it, but it didn't have a rail on it. I think we got it from somebody here in the church. Um, and it uh, didn't have a rail on it. And this, this little dude crawls up in the bunk bed and he's up there and in the middle of the night. We hear ba boom. <laughs> We're waiting for the cries, we're waiting for the cries, waiting for the like we know what happened. Like it's lot, like, you know, somebody just fell off the roof, you know. <laughs> ba. No cries. And so we're like, oh, dear Lord, like he's out cold. He's gone. And we go in there. He's just sleeping away, just snoring. I'm like, I'm like, is he snoring or making those weird moans you do when you crash your motorcycle? Like, what's what's going on? Like, like what's what's going on? <clears throat> but here's the deal. He fell out of his bed because he stayed too close to where he got in. How many of us struggle in our walk with God because we stay too close to where we got in? The children of Israel have wandered. They have circled. They have been delivered. They're no longer slaves. God has healed them from their slave mentality. He has delivered them by making sure that all the slaves are no longer with them. Like that's the, how they got rid of it. But but they, 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 he's delivered them from all of that. He's brought help in the middle of the hallways. There was, there was Jethro that spoke to Moses' circumstances. There were the, the 12 spies. There was the good spies and the bad spies. Like God brings help in the middle of difficulty. God God provides provision in the middle of the difficulty. But God providing provision and God bringing help was never the point. And there's one thing standing between them and the promised land. That one thing is a river called the Jordan River. One thing. Uh, Recently, this this past year, I was able to go to the Jordan River. This is me right here. Uh, There. You don't have pictures? Oh, I did put pictures. I didn't include them. Well, I was going to show you a picture of me getting baptized so that those of you that didn't think I was saved, I could prove it. <laughs> Jordan River is not a big river. It's it's like uh, <clears throat> the river is as wide as this room is deep. And you can wade out into the middle of the river. And there's little fish in the river that... Nibble at your legs while you're getting baptized in it. So for those of you that want to come with me next year to go to the Jordan River and you're going to get baptized in it, just get ready. Shave your legs so they got nothing to bite. (laughs) But here's the deal. They show up at the Jordan River and it's really, it's an insignificant river. Like by some standards, it should be a creek. A creek, depending on where you're from. And the first time they arrive at the Jordan River, they didn't cross the Jordan River because they were afraid of what was beyond it. And the second time they arrive at the Jordan River, there's this moment where they actually pause and wait and catch a deep breath. It's something they could have waded across. Even those that don't swim, I'm sure they could have figured it out. There are things in our life that may seem insignificant, but God places them in front of us, and it's a boundary that we've got to cross, The key to ending your wandering is to cross over. The key to experiencing the walk with God that you've been desiring is to finally cross over. The the key to experience the freedom that you've been hoping for or the ministry that you've been desiring is to finally step out of the wandering and cross over. To go from wandering to possessing. Because the land was already theirs, they just had to possess it. So what is your Jordan today? Is your Jordan the opposition of a loved one? Is it a person who persecutes you? Is it a circumstance or a situation? Is it passion that is unbridled? Is it tyranny of a habit? Is it a reoccurring fault in your life? Is it an unconquered desire? Is it jealousy? Is it comparison? Is it immaturity that has not been reined in? Is it hurt that has never been healed? Is it inadequacy? Is it uh, the, the feeling of, like, of an unforgiven event? Is it dreams that have been dashed against the rocks of life? Is it hope that has been stolen from you? Or perhaps is your Jordan River that you have not forgiven God because you feel like he gave your opportunity to someone else? We have roadblocks in our life just boundaries that need to be crossed and really they're not hard to cross but in our mind they are milestones that are impenetrable i would ask you today this question what would you do with your life if you knew god would get behind it because on the other side of this is where the jordan is like, where would you go with your life if you knew God would put all of his weight behind it? That's where your Jordan River is. It's been given. It just needs to be possessed. Here's what it says in Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. It says, then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from Shittim. It was a really crappy place. Sorry. And they came to the, I just said that in church. Okay. And they came to the Jordan and he, Lord, I apologize. I need to get baptized again and they came to the jordan and he and all the people of israel and they lodged there before they passed over and the end of 3 days and officers and the officers went through the camp and commanded the people as and they commanded the people as soon as you see the ark of the covenant of your lord god being carried by the levitical priests then you shall set out from the place and follow it yet there shall be a distance between you and the ark of about 2000 cubits in length, And do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. I would tell somebody in this room, there are places in your walk with God that you have not passed this way before. There are places in your own life that you have not passed before. And God has a plan to get you there. If you feel like your life is a circle where you keep encountering the same situations and the same struggles, I want you to know that God's desire is that you would cross a boundary line into a place that you have not gone before. He says this, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. It's this moment where God brings the children of Israel after 38 years right to the edge of the Jordan River, and he says, you'll sit on the edge of this insignificant boundary, this thing that has held you back in your mind. Really, you could have crossed it at any moment, but what we're going to do is sit for 72 hours on the edge of the thing that you thought was uncrossable and consider what God could do. You're going to stare at the thing that has held you back for all these years. You're going to sit for a moment and ponder where God has brought you from and where God wants to bring you you to. 38 years of wandering, and these people probably felt as though there was not a miracle left for them to experience. There was not a drop of hope remaining other than continuing the cycle in their life. You ever live with a cycle in your life? If you ever see patterns in your own marriage, you ever see patterns in your own mind, I want you to know today that God will bring you to a place where you can sit and look at the patterns of the past and recognize that there is a hope and a future, and you're going to enter into a land that you have not been before. Zacharias says it like this. He says, not by power and not by might, but but by my spirit, says the Lord. They they understand they're not going to be crossing this river on their own. They're not going to be making boats and getting across. No, God's power is going to bring them through. This may be a boundary that has truly held you back. But part of your deliverance story is that there's help in the hallway. There's hope in the hallway. That there's healing in the hallway. And that he is in the hallway right with you today. Mm. And he wants to sit with you on the edge of what could be and bring you hand in hand into a land of promise and hope and future. Everything you've been hoping for is just a few feet away for the children of Israel. And I'm telling somebody today, everything you're hoping for is just the name of Jesus Christ away. It's just calling on the name of Jesus Christ away. It's where it is. He says that, uh, this is verse seven of the same chapter. He says, the Lord said to uh, Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of Israel. This is interesting. The Lord tells Joshua in this chapter several times what he's going to do. He says, today I will exalt you in the sight of Israel. that you may know as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priest who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. I would imagine, you see, God does different things at different times. You know that. But God rarely does it the same, the same way twice. The moment we get a plan and a strategy, God's like, eh, you're too relying. You're relying on your plan or your strategy. The, 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 this is why we should never be uh, like uh, sold out to uh, a model. You know what I'm saying? Like some people are like, oh, like the mega church is the only way to go. And other people are like, oh, the house church is the only way to go. No, like neither of those are the only way to go. Jesus is the only way to go. The model does not matter. The message matters. And as long as the message is being brought in its fullness, it doesn't matter. I would imagine in this, like Joshua's telling the priest, he says, okay, um, I know we've done water crossings before, but this time you're going to go in the water, folk. Imagine if Moses was still alive. If the, you know what I'm saying? Like, imagine if the old, he'd experienced the glory of God. Moses would have been like, ah! Like they're about to step into the water, and Moses would have been coming, he would have been like running down the bank of the river, like, stop, stop, you need a stick. (laughs) God parts waters with sticks. Like runs over to he's like, no, where's it? Like, find the stick. Somebody find a stick. You're out of the will of God. Don't get wet. He's got to use a stick. <clears throat> because Moses would have been somebody, he'd come like, because Moses experienced his walk with God where there was like this, this cloud above him the whole time. There was fire above him the entire time. It's the idea that if Moses had been there in this moment, Moses would have been someone with cloud dependency in an ark world. <laughs> because a cloud is supernatural, a fire is supernatural. And although the ark contains a supernatural, it just doesn't look the same anymore. That music just doesn't feel the same. The cloud seems more supernatural than the ark. And you cannot leave where you were. And you cannot love where you were. And you cannot love what got you where you are. If you're going to cross the river, you've got to love the Lord more than you love your cloud. You've got to love the Lord more than you love how he used a stick before. What got you here won't get you there. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? Like somebody that, that they're in one season of life, but they're acting like they're in another season of life. <clears throat> like they've been married for a couple of years, but they're still acting like they're single in a college dorm room. You know what I'm saying? Like your wife's trying to get a hold of you. She's like, hey, come on, pay attention to me. I'm right here living flesh in front of you. And you're like just sitting there like just binge watching Netflix or YouTube. Like Madden. (laughs) What I'm saying, like we 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 can live in one season, but we're behaving as though we're in another season. God can be trying to bring us across the Jordan River into greatness in your life. But if you still got it in your mind that you're going to wander, like, like being in first class on an airplane with a back of the airplane mindset, you realize they are different things. Like I just I flew to Israel this year and, and it was a, uh, I think it was like a 15 or 16 hour flight. It was a long flight, and I was the only person on the entire airplane with three seats to myself. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Hey, <clears throat> I sat down and I, I, I was just praying. I, people are coming. I'm just praying, like not her, not her, Lord, not him, Lord. No, 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 not that baby, Jesus. Keep the baby, keep the baby up there somewhere. It's starting. People are getting slower and slower, and you're just like interceding, like, oh, Jesus, oh. They think you're nervous. You're not nervous. You're just praying. <laughs> And as soon as the, the lady came on the intercom, she said, uh, you, "You're free to move for your seats now." And I saw this, this woman turn and look at my seats and I just unbuckled, jumped to the side, buckle up and I lean back. I'm like, Ugh. And I had three seats to myself for 16 hours, put on my noise cancelling headphones and my little neck rest, and I'm sitting there just enjoying life. <clears throat> One of my friends came by, and he took a photo of me. I didn't post it here. I should have brought it. He took a photo of me sleeping. I had, I'm the only person on the entire airline with three seats, and I'm sleeping like this. <laughs> Because I had a back-of-the-plane mentality when I had all three seats to myself. Everybody else was like, why didn't you just flip up the armrest and lay down? Because my mentality said, I'm still at the back of the plane. <laughs> like people that pass out their, their extra dinner rolls in first class, right? Like, you don't do that in first class. Oh, you want my, you want my extra dinner roll? Oh, no, you don't, you don't do that in first class. They, they got plenty of dinner rolls. Like, they'll give you another one. <clears throat> all right. Joshua chapter 3, verse 13, it says, uh, and, and when the souls of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, um, uh, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest on the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off. Listen to how, this is Joshua telling the people what God will do. It's interesting. It's interesting. Joshua tells the people, he says, when the Lord, because they're about to cross their, their big thing. He says, When the Lord, he's trying to convince them, he says, The Lord of all the heavens and earth. <laughs> The Lord of all the earth, he shall shall rest on the waters of the Jordan and and the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. Joshua was convincing them. He said, hey, God's going to do it. God, the big God, the one that's in control of everything. He's going to make the waters stand up. It's going to be a miracle. It's going to be amazing. Let me tell you this. There are some things in life that God provides free. There are some things that are gratis. One of those would be your salvation. You don't have to do anything for it. like all it's the faithfulness of Jesus Christ that saves you. It is trusting in the goodness and the righteousness of Jesus Christ that you are saved But going from being a slave to being in the promises of God, it does take someone moving through the Jordan themselves. Like we would think that God would just pick them up and put them on the other side of the river. Like God would teleport them across. Like God they would, like God would lift them over their trouble. And God, God's not wanting to. Like we're waiting for God to carry us over the Jordan River. Like God's just going to completely deliver me and carry me over the Jordan River. And God says, "No, you're gonna, you're gonna have to walk through the Jordan River. You're gonna have to get your feet wet in the Jordan River." Like the, the other day, I was at a—I don't remember where I was. Maybe a, it was either a restaurant or like Walmart or something, and. <clears throat> Standing in front of a, it was a papered out, paper towel dispenser in the men's restroom. I'm sitting there like. <laughs> <laughs> and this other this other man, like, it, it would be one thing if I was seven, right? This other man walks up and he sticks his hand on the side of it and goes. <laughs> and it all unrolls. Like, you idiot. You <laughs> idiot. Because in my mind, I'm looking for an automatic paper towel dispenser because we live in the 21st century, somebody. I'm I'm waiting for an automatic paper towel dispenser, and all I had to do was reach out and grab it. Like, you just got to reach out and touch somebody. I'm saying, like, like, there are things that we just expect. We just think, oh, it's just going to be automatic. And God's like, no, you just got to stick your finger on the side and roll it a little bit. I'm saying it's okay for you to roll up your sleeves in your faith and say I'm going to get serious about my family moving forward in the things of God. Like I'm saying, it's okay for you to say I, as the husband, I'm going to decide that I'm just going to start setting a pace and a temperature for God in my home, and and that's okay. Like like it's okay for someone to say I'm going to roll up my sleeves and I'm going to give God everything. Like I'm going to roll up my sleeves and begin to step into that area of ministry. Like maybe God called you to help homeless people. And you're like I'm just waiting for God to drop it in my lap. No, God works through closed doors more than he works through open doors. Start pushing doors to see which ones are open. Yeah. Mm. All right. It's the hardest thing standing in the middle. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's a difficult thing walking through the middle of the river. Here's what I said, Joshua, this is in verse 15 now. This is God actually telling us what's happening. Moses, or Joshua had told the people, when your feet touch the waters, the Lord's presence is gonna be on the waters. He's gonna pile up the water. This is what actually happens. And as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests of the ark were dipped in the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows its banks throughout all the time of the harvest. So that's a little note that God didn't include earlier. He said the the river's going to be overflowing. So it was a river that was maybe 40 feet across. Now it's a river that's about 140 feet across, and it's raging with trees flowing down it and and debris flowing. Now it's dangerous. It's interesting that for God to really get us to the other side, he uses things that are insignificant in and of themselves, but he waits until they escalate. Like that problem in your marriage wasn't a big deal, but now, like, we need to get to the other side. He waits until they escalate. That's Because at that point, there's desperation. When it was mild, the children of Israel were able to say, ah, it's not a big deal. Like, they're, they're, they're dangerous over there. We're comfortable over here. But once it gets dangerous and he escalates it, now you got to cross. He says this, then the waters came down. So the, the, the priests are in the water at this point. He says, the waters coming down from above stood up and rose in a heap, just like Joshua said, very far away. <laughs> at Adam. The city that is by beside Zarethan, Zerath, Zerath, and those flowing down toward the Sea of Araba, the great salt sea, they were completely cut off, and the people passed over opposite Jericho. Why is it giving us all these details? Because Joshua said, when your feet touch the waters, the presence of the Lord is gonna be on the waters and the Lord's gonna raise this water up and you're gonna walk through on dry land. But God shows up when they walk across the waters and says, I'm gonna lift the water up at a city called Adam, which is 18 miles north of Jericho. So the priests that walk into the water don't see a miracle. The people standing in the middle of transition don't have this, God is in this thing. Ah! No, they stand in the water and we're talking six to eight hours for water to move 18 miles. Well, let's make it a fast river. Four hours standing in the middle of a raging river waiting for God's presence to do something. We just thought God was just gonna snap and make it all happen. It's in this moment that the people of God are in the middle of, they know God has called them across the river, but it doesn't seem like he's actually working. Have you ever done that, stepped out, believing God had a plan for a situation? You start to do it and you're like, "What? In the, what, what I thought the waters are going to heap up and I thought it was going to be amazing. And the pres- I would feel the presence of God over the, the surface of the water. No. It's different when you're in the middle. It seems that the longer you wait, the less happens. It's interesting that God is really big on His promises, but He's very short on details. I think it's a fault of God. Like that's what I'm just saying. Like, like I would have liked to have known ahead of time that it's going to take you know at least four to eight hours for this miracle to happen. That would have been helpful. And for us, we, we, we just think, well, of course they just stood in the water. It only makes sense. God was doing a miracle. That's because hindsight is twenty twenty. When you're in the middle of the water and the water is still raging and all the people are looking at you like, I thought you was the priest and you was going to part the water. Like, it's another thing. Yeah. It's another thing. It's one thing to not have kids and just be like, I thought, like, I, I know how to do it. It's another thing when you're parenting and you're standing in the middle of the water and are like, dear God, I have no idea what I'm doing. It's one thing to be on one side. It's another to be like right in the middle of your first date and you're like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Like, ah, like, like it, because in the middle, like, like in the middle, that's where you just got to trust God's in it, even though you don't see him in it. You know how many times I've got up here and preached and in the middle of my message, I'm just like, I don't know that God is in this one. <laughs> like, uh, I'm, I'm thinking like, I'm just, I'm just here at Smoky Mountain Pizza at this point, like, you guys are dismissed, I'm out. <clears throat> <laughs> And it's in those messages where I feel like, like I don't feel the presence of God. I don't think my mind is clear. I feel like I have screwed up my notes. It's in those times when I have people come to me after service, tears falling down their face. Like, oh, like the Lord just did a great work. And I'm like, were we in the same church service? Because I was in the middle, but someone else was experiencing the promise. I'm telling somebody, like, you can get through this if you would just stand firm on the promises of God in the middle of a torrential downpour. Like, if you would just stand firm, saying, no, I'm going to stand in the gap with my family. I'm going to stand in the gap for what God is doing in my life. He will do a miracle in your life. <clears throat> Standing in the middle with cold, cold feet. Not easy. You know what I'm saying? Like cold feet when a bride gets all nervous or a groom gets all nervous and they show up late and you're like, ah, would you just show up when you're supposed to be here? Cold feet, it's a scary, it's a scary thing. The truth is, is that hesitation in the face of something daunting is normal. It is normal to hesitate in the face of difficult things. And when we have cold feet in the middle of the river, it's those moments that, We begin to question whether or not we actually heard the voice of God. Did I really hear his voice? Did I I really discern what God wanted in this moment? Did did I really know? Like, like, this is the time when the fear of failure is overwhelming in our lives. Standing in the middle of the river, fear of failure looming over our heads. I want you to know this this is from, from a guy named T.F. Tenney. He says this fear. Is false evidence appearing real? Fear is not real. Like fear is just something you're making up in your mind. It's false evidence that appears real in the middle of the river. Like God has a promise for you. He has a plan for you. You can move forward into all that he's called you for. We get nervous, we get cold feet. We begin to think of all the reasons why God cannot actually be in this moment because we was expecting his presence to be on the face of the water. Let me say this, I've never seen a monument built to a pessimist. And just because nothing's happening doesn't mean that your faith is a failure. Sometimes it means standing firm because here's the big surprise, American Christians. The word faith does not mean a purple blob that we use to manipulate God to do what we want Him to do. The word faith is a Greek word, pistuo, and pistuo means trust. So anytime you read the word faith, you can substitute it with the word trust. And what I'm saying is that there's no other place you're going to trust God more than when you're standing in the middle of a river. You're not saying, God, I'm going to make you do what I want you to do because you're my holy vending machine. No, what you're saying is, God, I trust you even though I don't see what's going on right now. Even though I've got cold feet and I want to run. Even though in my mind right now the Pharaoh I know is better than the Moses that I don't know. Like, I'm going to trust you that you will bring me through this thing That's what faith looks like. That's where miracles come from. It's saying, God, I trust you, whether you heal me or not. I trust you. I believe you got the power to heal me. But if you don't heal me, you're going to take me to your heaven anyway. All right. I'm trying. You ever talk yourself out of something? I know, baby. So you got to, you got to have a good cheerleader. Sometimes <laughs> it's important that you support your spouse. Yeah. Come on, hey! <laughs> you ever talk yourself out of something? You're like, I, I really, I really should do this. I really should go to the gym. It is January first. I really should go to the gym, but the truth is, they just opened a brand new donut shop down Cleveland Boulevard. <laughs> And it's open at the same time as the gym's open, so... We can talk ourselves out of all sorts of things. You you, you got a speeding ticket, and you were trying your best. You were just, like, backpedaling, like, ah, trying to talk talk yourself out of it. You were going to ask her on a date. You start talking yourself out of it, like, nah, she'll probably say no, or she'll look at me funny. No. Step it up. Amen. You've been in a church service. So i preached my guts out, and you felt the Lord speak to you, and you talked yourself out of it? I'm saying we can be in the middle of the Jordan River, and cold feet looks like talking ourselves out of it, saying, I don't know if that's really for me. Maybe that's for the super spiritual people that have their marriage together. They got it all figured out. No, what I'm saying is if you can talk yourself out of it, you can talk yourself into it. If you can give yourself all the reasons why you can't, you can give yourself all the reasons why you can. There's some places that you will not go unless you're willing to stand in the middle with cold feet and not move. But what's interesting to me is they don't just have cold feet, they're also alone. I told you that there's help in the hallways. But when you're in moments like this, going beyond the circle, the spiral, into a land that you have never been before, help is not there. It says this in verse 3, as soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Here we go. Yet there shall be a distance between you and the ark. So the people in the middle of the river, there's a distance between them and everybody that was with them. 2,000 cubits. A cubit's a measurement in ancient times. Um, They didn't have rulers and they didn't have empirical or metric. They had a cubit. And a cubit is basically, it's dependent on the human person that is doing it. A cubit is from the tip of your fingers to the corner of your elbow. This is so that someone could tell you how to build something based on a scale that they had created. A cubit. So 2,000 cubits, that's about 16 inches. 2,000 cubits is, you're looking at more like 3,000 feet. You're looking at about a half a mile away. So standing in the middle of the river with cold feet, wondering if God is really in this, and all the people you've been wandering with for all those years are not even with you. There are some things that your group can't come with you through. There are some battles that you will fight and people will never see. There are some discussions you've had internally that no one else will know about. There are, there are some seasons of life that you'll go through some of the most pain and you'll win victories that no one will ever celebrate you for, but it is in those times when you're crossing a river. It's in those seasons where, you know what, I'm not depending on the voices of other people. I don't have other people. They don't, they're not even listening to me. In fact, quite frankly, I feel all alone. It's in those moments when you're able to recognize that he is in the hallway, that the Lord God is in the hallway. He's with you in the middle of it all. Maybe not all your friends, maybe not all your advisors or mentors or role models, but in the middle of those moments, you can turn to the Lord because he is with you. It's in those moments that God works that He's like Jesus was alone. Adam, Adam was alone. Eve was created after Adam. If Eve and Adam were created at the same time, it would have told us that they were created at the same time. It says it's not good to be alone, but it also, because she wasn't made at the same time as Him, we know that we can be alone. And we've experienced being alone. It's like Jesus was alone in the garden. And he, he, he's sitting alone and he turns to his disciples and he says, could you not tarry one hour? Just, just I'm in the middle of a river. I just need you to be with me. But you couldn't. You were 3,000 feet away. You ever have people that are close to you, but they're all, they feel like they're 3,000 feet away? They're in the same room as you, but they're miles away. Doesn't mean the Lord has left you. It means you're crossing over, and God is with you. It's like Peter. He says, "Jesus, I'm your ride or die. I'm not going anywhere." Peter, Peter, I'm I'm not leaving. And the Lord says to him, "He says, Peter, before you lay your head down tonight, you're going to deny me three times." Peter was over promising on something his soul could not deliver. Because there are some places that we must go alone you may want to you may want to work on your marriage but what I'm telling you is it, it might just boil down to you digging deep and putting wells in your life yeah. it might it might not actually look like a, a a three-step process to a better financial life maybe it looks like digging down deep into identifying who God has called you to really be Paul in, in his letters as he's getting ready to be beheaded by the Romans he he starts calling on the names of all the people. He says, send this person, send this person. And he starts, it goes farther and he starts saying this, that this person deserted me and this person deserted me. And even this person left me. And it's easy to say, did I get it all wrong? And Paul died alone. Sometimes you have to go through a hallway alone, but he's with you in a hallway I think it's important in those seasons that our roots are deep in God and that we don't just have straws in people. We can have straws into our family members or our parents or our pastor or our small group leader and we think it's a walk with God, but the moment they're gone, we feel dry and empty and we say, there's no love here. Like, nobody loves me here anymore. Like, no, nobody even cares. No, what that is is you don't have roots. You're looking for a straw. The band would come. When we have straws and we're in the middle of the river, we're looking for other people to give us strength and connection. And I'm here to tell you today that the way you cross the river is knowing that he's in the hallway and that your strength does not come from men. Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord. Could it be that your season of loneliness, your season of walking alone is a gift from God? Because in that season, you had to develop roots that you didn't have before. Because in that season, you couldn't just call up somebody that would give you advice. You had to get on your knees before God and begin to pray for the wisdom of the Lord. Like, could it be that in those difficult times where we feel like no one else cares and no one else sees us, the truth is they're still with you. They're just back because you're in transition and they're not. And maybe God is trying to teach you that Jesus Christ alone is enough. Jesus alone. Maybe he's trying to tell you what you really need most in your hallway is the Lord. Maybe the one thing you need the most is Jesus Christ in your life. Would you stand with me today? Jesus, right now, Lord, I pray for everyone in this room as we walk through seasons of transition, or maybe we will in the future, into those moments where we have cold feet and we feel far from everyone else, Lord, that we would not lose hope and we would not lose faith, but that our trust would remain firm. Lord, that we wouldn't be upset because our expectation was you would be on the water and you showed up 18 miles upstream. God, that our firm faith would be in you and wouldn't be in a preacher. It wouldn't be in a YouTube preacher. It wouldn't be in a small group leader. It wouldn't be in our parents. God, I pray that right now our faith and our hope and our trust be in you. Right now with everybody, your eyes are closed. Your heads are down. Here's what I want to say. Maybe there's someone in this room today. And for you, you're like, you know what? That's me. I I feel like I've had cold feet in this whole thing and I feel alone And, and you're right. What I need most is Jesus in the hallway. I don't need another voice. I need Jesus right now. If that's you, show me your hand. Everyone else's heads are down. Come on, look at that all across the room. Come on, come on people. Come on, that's a heart crying out for the Lord. So right now we're going to turn to him. I just want you to make these these words your own. And we're just going to call on the name of Jesus. Lord Jesus, I'm done trying to do things on my own. God, I've tried to walk my own way. And I've tried to pull things and make this world happen. I've tried to do my own thing. And right now, God, I've realized that I cannot do my own thing anymore. And so I'm turning away from my old ways and my old way of thinking about life. And God, I'm asking that you alone would be with me in the middle of my hallway. God, that you alone would be with me in the middle of my life. So right now I'm turning from being my own man or my own woman, and I'm asking that I could be your man or I could be your woman. So Lord... Jesus, I'm asking you to be the Lord of my life, to be my God, to be my hope and my direction. And I promise right now I'm going to follow you and I'm going to follow your lead with the best that I've got. You guys, in heaven right now, there are people all across this room that heaven is screaming about. Heaven is rejoicing about. People. we just did that. I just want you to know you made the best decision of your life. You just made the best step of your life. To say, I want him with me in this hallway. Thank you, Jesus.
0: Thanks again for listening to the message today. I know God has been speaking to some of you working in your life, and I want to encourage you to take the next step. Respond to what God is doing, and if you're not sure what that is, bring someone into the conversation. We would love to help you with your next steps. You can email us, reach out to us on social media, or better yet, just come meet us on a Sunday morning. If you want to find out more, go to our website, thecelebration.church. On that note, let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.